0: Warning, the following podcast contains a review of the career of Mark Henry. The views expressed by Aaron D. Justice do not necessarily represent the views of the North-South Connection Podcast Network, the Place to Be Nation Podcast Network, or Skeet Nation. If you, or anyone you love, would consider not enjoying a casket match from 2006 racist, this is your final warning. Listener discretion. Discretion is advised. Welcome back to the wrestler that was and here we go again uh we're lovingly looking back at the careers of all-time greats i'm aaron here we go and i want everyone to remember that this is coming from a place of love and hopefully this episode continues on our journey of positivity i am worried though not only because i genuinely like mark henry But the first time I ever criticized a Mark Henry match, uh, not not Mark Henry, a Mark Henry match on a podcast a while ago, my buddy and I were declared racists, racists. Now, let me ask you something. How can I be a racist when I hate everyone, including myself? Look, since it was 2017, we survived unscathed with minimal internal trauma. But the world has changed. See, I'm worried because when I think uh, of Mark Henry, I'm worried that his career is not going to hold up to scrutiny. And I believe on the last episode, I hinted at this episode, and I know it's been a while, so thank you for putting up with me. It's just these are, you know, these take a lot of time and effort, and I have a standard. And if it can't hit the standard, I'm not doing it. And... And that's, that's it, <laughs> that's it really. And it's, it's got nothing to do with not respecting the audience. I respect everyone who, who downloads this and listens to it or reaches out. It's just my standard is such that it has to be X and if it's not, I, I'd rather just not do it. Uh, but if you remember all those weeks ago, I hinted at this episode by saying that our next guy had an all-time bad career until a late career angle saved him. And I think when we look back, we might find out that besides his seven-month run, Mark Henry's career is a little weak on the high-end stuff. Uh, and it's and it's like I, and I like the dude, okay? Like I have no issue with him, right? Look, I'm I'm even accepting of the fact that his middle name is Gerald with two R's, okay? So let's dive into Mark Henry. Before we do, uh, it's been a minute, so a quick refresher. I rate these dudes and ladies uh, in ten categories t- out of ten. And that gives us a score out of 100. Now, our current leader sits at 78 points, bottom feeder 53. So really, even the worst cases so far, we're still in the 50% range. Mark Henry can't be worse than 50%, right? Maybe he'll be the first one to crack 80. Well, here we go. First category, narrative. And I think it's insane to think that Mark Henry was only 24 years old when he entered the World Wrestling Federation. I guess that's why he was always grinning like an idiot wherever he went. There was no, (laughs) in this man at this point when he enters, there's no ruthless aggression or hall of pain. Only 15 U.S. flags cut up and draped all over his body. And they told him, they told him to go out and smile. And smile he did. Until he witnessed Jerry Lawler trying to bring Jake Roberts out of sobriety. Somebody should do something, declared Henry. And after a few more minutes of irreparable damage... Henry finally got off his ass and twisted Lawler's arm, spilling even more booze into Jake's mouth. I don't know, and it's unclear, if Jake's daughters have any sort of grudge against the world's strongest man for not stepping in sooner. If so, I'd tell them, stop being racist, okay? Because Mark Henry can clearly do no wrong. And maybe, just maybe, it was the daughters and their fucking baggage that drove Jake to drink in the first place but we're not here to victim blame. We're here to talk about Mark Henry and how we went along. Henry would fight Jerry Lawler and set the world right before immediately getting injured. Upon his return a year later, he decided he needed to get back on track by any means necessary. He would join the Nation of Domination. It was pretty uneventful uh, at the beginning until a, uh, a skinny white dude in blackface called himself Mizark. Then Mark Henry decided that revenge was out and love was in. He wanted China. He needed China. He even offered for them to slip into something more comfortable. His bed. Mark would write poetry that would turn Shakespeare himself into that veritable green-eyed monster he was
1: always talking about. Have a listen. China, come and lay beside me. My love is all I need. If we come together... I think we can succeed true love goes through pain and through distraction come and lay beside me your love is what i'm asking you know my situation and we cannot forget that hearts can be broken and torn with disrespect i want you to know my love is deep and strong that is the reason that this can't continue on if we come together If we come together, I think we can succeed. This is what I have for you, truly and indeed. Hell, even
0: Longfellow himself would go back to turning tricks after that display. Also, this was the time where Mark Henry was suing China for sexual harassment. Sadly, his complaints fell on deaf ears as we were 20 years before Me Too. Henry became all about love, though. He declared himself to be sexual chocolate. He declared himself, not me, I didn't call him that, that's what he called himself, and became the resident ladies' man of the promotion. Yep, straight line from Rick Rude to Mark Henry. Henry decided to once again pursue China, this time in a non-litigious manner, and was invited to join her and her friend Sammy for an evening of fun. Henry would later discover that, oh snap, Sammy had a penis and would freak out. Sad, sad closed-minded mark henry what a conundrum to the modern progressive mind he must be his cries for sexual justice go unheard but he himself freaks out when someone with a penis makes him feel good well did it feel good or not mark mark's friend dilo was encouraging him to lose some weight and this would not stand for mighty mark henry he promptly turned on his friend smashing his face and taking his status as the champion of europe It would later be revealed that Mark Henry was crazy, a sex addict, and that he had lost his virginity to his sister at the age of eight, and that he had banged his sister two days before the therapy session in which he admitted this. What on earth is going on? But don't worry, guys. The WWF pimp was there to help him with his sex addiction. Uh, I don't know how befriending a pimp and plowing through his roster helps cure a sex addiction, but this was 1999. We're worried about the end of the world in a few months. We let all kinds of shit slide. You know, even this enabling pimp, we let it slide. But then it gets weirder. His story gets weirded. He starts dating octogenarian Mae Young and in a, an absolute miracle of science, he gets her pregnant. Sexual chocolate wasn't shooting blanks guys. I guess we'll never know how much it affected May's pregnancy when Viscera jumped up and down on her stomach. What we do know is that May would give birth to a hand, and years later, that hand would come back to Monday Night Raw to find his father. Now, the conspiracy theorist in me thinks that the whole fetus was crushed, except for the hand, hence Mark Henry's son was as much a product of Viscera's girth as he was Mark Henry's girth. And I'm going to try not to use the word girth anymore. See, Henry should have listened to his friend D'Lo because he'd get sent down to OVW, guess what? To lose some weight. And guess what? No one called D'Lo Brown a goddamn bigot. Henry would come back in 2002 and did some tests of strength. I guess he felt he needed to be surrounded as he joined the Thuggin' and Buggin' Enterprises. He then tried to collect a bounty on Goldberg. He fought Booker T, who was neither into thugging nor bugging, except when he stole that car in 2001. But that's a whole other episode. And remember, I didn't write that one either. Then, Henry got hurt again and was out for nearly two years. As 2006 began, Mark Henry returned to SmackDown, and he inexplicably started helping Eminem. I know one of those M's is not for Mark, so I don't know what he thought he was doing. Perhaps his sexual addiction was, as of yet, unconquered, because that shit stays with you for life. He becomes ensconced in a feud with Kurt Angle before going out of his way to piss off The Undertaker for some reason. Apparently Mark Henry, despite declaring himself a lifelong WWF fan, had never watched the show, but it was fine now because now he had an Arab manager for some reason. So I guess we should probably be count ourselves lucky. He didn't recreate his 1996 look with the flag of Saudi Arabia. Then again, if they had, perhaps we'd be spared the blood money specials of today and maybe Mark Henry would be dead. Who knows? The world is a crazy place henry spent the spring of 2006 going on a path of destruction Uh, sadly what he destroyed most was his own patella and he needed a year off to heal that in may of 2007 he'd come back again and despite knowing the fucking consequences firsthand went right after the undertaker he would again spend a few months getting humbled henry though would find acceptance in the loving embrace of ecw he would defeat kane and big show to win the ecw championship I can only imagine the ECW fans of 1996 if 1996 Mark Henry walked into that bingo hall and won the title. I feel like the city of Philadelphia would have burned and no longer existed. Thankfully, though, it was 2008. Mark Henry liked to wrestle, but he also liked to laugh, and that made him a natural friend to fellow laugher Tony Atlas. Tony offered no direction in the wake of Henry's title loss. Instead of, say, making him a modern-day Saba Simba, instead... He got him involved with an angry Irishman by the name of Finlay. Wikipedia, as I did some research on this, uh, describes the feud between Mark Henry and Finlay as a quote-unquote scripted rivalry, which throws into question what, what did they think everything else Henry did was, right? Did they think that Mae Young actually gave birth to the hand? Did he, take, did he really take Sammy to Browntown? There's so many questions, and it's a reputable source. So reputable, you know what it is, man. Mark Henry was happy now for some reason. Also wearing red. I'm not sure who told him it was a good idea, but I'd wager it was Tony Atlas. He becomes a tag team with MVP, fights the Heart dynasty. There's just not a ton going on here. He would step into a leadership position in NXT, mentoring an up-and-comer Lucky Cannon. Sadly, lesson one from Mark Henry wasn't change your fucking name, so Cannon quickly disappeared. Henry didn't though. He teamed with Evan Bourne, and then disappeared into the void that was the 2010 tag team scene. 2011, though, was the fuck-around-and-find-out year for Mark Henry. After some time off for injury, again, (laughs) he comes back and opens the Hall of Pain. He has a title match with then-world heavyweight champion Randy Orton, and as Henry was about to win, the Big Show jumped in and cost Henry the match. This was on SmackDown, I think. This led to Henry humbling the Big Show and breaking his leg in a tremendous post-match beating. The Hall of Pain was now open. Kane received an invitation, as did Vladimir Kozlov. Great Kali, it's Kozlov. I know, I'm not going back. Henry was so dangerous that no one would even fight the man. Except for another angry Irishman named Seamus. He declared, I'll fight him. And just like that, Seamus was a face and Henry had a credible opponent. Henry ran right over him later in the month won a battle row for the right to challenge Orton again, and at Night of Champions 2011, Mark Henry finally achieved a career-long dream and won the World Heavyweight Championship from Orton. He'd beat him one more time before getting right back involved with the goddamn Big Show. But at least it made sense. Big Show wanted revenge for his leg being broken. Big Show made Henry his bitch, though, and Henry would drop the strap to him at TLC. Then Brian will win it later by cashing the money in the bank. The Hall of Pain at this point, this is December 2011, is essentially over, lasting barely six months. Henry would also face WWE Champion uh, CM Punk twice on Raw. He'd lose both, but those were cool matches. um, uh, And then he got injured. Surprise, surprise. He'd return in 2003 and crush Ryback for some reason. And then he announces his retirement. Turns on John Cena in the most epic way possible and then loses the match by tapping out very quickly. For the rest of his career, truthfully, it's nothing. His music hits, guys get scared, but he's nowhere near the threat he was. There's no cohesion to the story. He's just a guy who's there. So all in, like I just said, there's little cohesion at all. Is he still a sex addict? Is he one bad day away from digging up the mother of his child for one last romp? Why is he only happy when he's a face? And why is he happy? Did he fuck feast on some sort of a pie? What about the broken friendships? Tony Atlas is fucking feet. Uh, D'Lo Brown is making necks. I, I don't see a clear story here. The only time there's any sense of beginning, middle and end is when he gets mad at D'Lo Brown for fat shaming or when he when the big show messes with him so he breaks his leg. That's not to say there aren't some wonderful things peppered in but as a cohesive story so far he's the most all over the place guy we've done. I'm going four on ten for narrative. Let's rate him as a face. Now, the only time we ever cheered for this motherfucker, at least at the beginning, was when he was like a big, dumb, sex-crazed buffoon. Imagine describing a wrestling character that way. Like, yeah, yeah, he's all smiles, but he also has a crippling addiction. That's what made us cheer him. He's addicted to sex. Guess what, guys? That's called being a human being. Also, why the fuck is this, as a face, is he always smiling? Why is he so happy to be there? I mean, I get it in 1996 after he failed at the Olympics and got kicked out of the house by his parents, but it's 2010 now. Do we need smiling red Mark Henry? How can you be so happy after countless beatings at the hands of the Undertaker? Then the only other thing that got him cheered was when cynical fucks like me got behind his big heel run. And then he brutalized and lied to John Cena and the world. Look, being a good guy, I am sure, I bet this guy's a great person in real life. I bet he's one of the nicest dudes in real life. And you see it in charity stuff. You see it in interviews. But on screen, being a good guy is just not in this dude's wheelhouse. And that's okay. But I'm going two on ten for face. Well, let's go heel. Let's see where he lands here. And I think this is where Henry excels at points. But how seriously can you take a heel when he's dealing with a crippling sex addiction and being beaten at every turn by... Every person on the roster? (laughs) But it's a trade-off, right? Because he does excel at points. If I were to ranking his character only on the Hall of Pain run, I think Henry's an easy 10-on-10 for heel work. He's scary as fuck and backs up every little thing he says with brutal, devastating action. He also has a great attitude about everything. I mean, it was a piss-poor attitude for everyone else, but I love the idea that he's going to show everyone how strong he was and how he deserved to be there. See, I told y'all! Was a common refrain, and it completely worked. In many ways, it was a new type of heel—one who was actually strong and could back up their shit. I love that because I feel that's a failure they always have. As soon as look at Roman Reigns now—he can't win on his own. He could beat anybody ever before. As soon as he turns heel, he can't beat anybody, right? Um, but here, they produce—they put pr- like Henry was strong and could back up his stuff until suddenly he wasn't. So within a couple months. Like, from being this Hall of Pain monster, he's just another heel on the roster. He has to cheat to stay competitive with the big show. And by the WrestleMania that year, so his Hall of Pain run is 2011. By WrestleMania 28, which is, God, only like seven months after he lost the belt, Henry's hidden in a 10-man tag match between Johnny and who the hell else? I don't even remember who. I don't even remember who Johnny, but I'm not doing a John Laurinaitis podcast. I don't even need to remember. Uh, but here, it, but the problem is that's endemic of Henry's whole run. He looks the part and should be a top heel at all times. But for whatever reason, whether it be him or writing, he's never able to maintain that main event level credibility. In two, until 2011, when he's challenging for a championship, I, I don't know about you, I never believed he would win that match. I would have been, I would have been happy to see him win it, but I, I was, it was always like, okay, he's the challenger of the month, right? And again, I'm not sure if that's more of an indictment of his booking or Henry's ability to draw heat. See, the problem is I can't just rank him on the Hall of Pain. That should actually be the subtitle of the whole episode. I can't. The Hall of Pain is seven months out of a 228-month career. I'm not good at math, but I know how to work a calculator. That's 3% of his career. Now, that run was all-time great, but I got to weigh everything else, right? And sadly, for the most part, Mark Henry, for me, was slightly below average as a heel for the most of his career. Perhaps... It was because they pushed the sex addiction uh, too, too hard, right? And so he could never be taken seriously. Maybe it was the injuries, right? That's also possible. It, it's not its not a throwaway to think that like he keeps getting derailed. But for whatever reason, he doesn't cross into the upper levels of healdom. I'm still going to give him some points here, though. I'm going to go 6 on 10 because that Hall of Pain is so strong. And so the potential was there. But there's just so many missed opportunities. Let's rank his characters, though. I got six of them. Number six, the worst one. Happy to be there, draped in the flag. And look, I'm happy that he's happy. But is it not offensive to have this dude's massive nipples all over the stars and stripes? And why is he so happy to be walking into a world of violence, right? Should we even cheer someone who's happy to be there that much? This guy is so lucky that the roster isn't populated with Iron Sheiks or Scott Steiners or he would not be leaving that locker room smiling. No way. Number five, generic nation of domination dude. Look, he's there. He's wearing red, yellow, and green somewhere on his body. It's hard to see. He's splashing guys and he's infighting. There's not much here, but it's not dumb. It's fine. Number four, smiling world's strongest man. And this is later in his career, right? So now I'm kind of fine with him smiling in the world of violence. Because he knows it, and he, I guess he enjoys it, right? I don't think it does the man any favors to be smiling like an idiot, but at least now he understands the world, and it's a choice. Number three, angry dude, aligned with thuggin' and buggin'. Angry, snarling, potentially dressed like the world's largest blueberry. Mixing the ECW run here, it's all the same character. Number two, sexual chocolate. Man, this dude was fucking everything that moved. He comes over to your house, the fish stops swimming. I don't know if it helped his long-term credibility to be banging his way through the retirement home, but guess what? It's memorable. And when you th- if you stopped watching wrestling in 2010, you for sure remember this, this character. Number one. I mean, it's gotta be the Hall of Pain, right? This bad motherfucker's up to kill everyone. He was believable and scary. He was so hot at the time that people started caring about him for the first time in his career. Let's rank his in-ring work. There's a lot of clubbing and splashing to go along with his backstage moaning and smashing. I hate that smash has become slang for sex. What are we doing here? Anyway, why? Why? Henry was always good with the power shit. Great presses, great throws. And I'll say this for the man. He was always within his wheelhouse. He made shit look good, and for the most part, it looked legit. I think he's just not super exciting. But that, not everybody has to be. His selling, too, is solid for the most part. I guess my only critique would be that he would often anticipate big moves a bit too early, especially when he had to fall on his back. Like if The Rock is like bouncing off the ropes and doing a jumping clothesline, Mark Henry's already on his way to the back. Like a good two seconds before contact is made. And I'm going to say this isn't a Mark Henry problem. A lot of guys do this, especially bigger guys. But it's there for him. It's difficult to talk about his work because nothing really stands out as remarkable one way or the other. I will say that the world's strongest slam finisher is a great finisher. I love the velocity he gets by grabbing the guy and like slam, bring him up and slamming him down right away. It looked devastating. In the end, he's kind of an unremarkable worker. And no, that's not a pun on the name Mark. I just can't think of one thing outside of, fin- outside of his finish that he does better or worse than anybody else. So I'm going to give him the gentleman's five for work. I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's good. I think he's right in the middle. All right, matches. So his match score, his, every, uh, his match average for all his pay-per-view stuff is 2.84 stars. Uh, I multiply that by 2 to give us a score out of 10, so 5.68. So it's not bad. Um, honestly, a bit higher than I would have expected. What hurts, Henry, is the lack of very high-end matches to bring it up a bit. I count one four-star match. And then even in the scenarios where I thought he could have had a great match, for whatever reason, it doesn't click. Like, it's hard to fuck up an Elimination Chamber. But, Mark Henry's in the one that gets fucked up. And, and that's 2015 at the Elimination Chamber. And truth be told, at this point, he probably should have helped it more. Some of it's bad luck, but again, if a guy who's been there for 20 years, like, like number one, he should be more of a general to help those guys out in that situation. But in 20 years, he should have more gems uh, under his wide-ass belt, right? Let's talk about his worst matches. So, I'm going to with him and, and going forward. So I've tossed and turned around a lot about what to do with with matches that someone's in that are great that aren't really about him. So for instance, like a great example is like if I ever do the character of Eric Rowan, right? Do I give Eric Rowan like credit for that six man against the shield if he doesn't have any other matches? Do you give chris jericho credit for a survivor series match that might be high like a tad higher than one of his singles matches so i think for the most part my general rule is that if the match isn't about them then they're not going to get credit for it so for instance Shawn michaels he will this wouldn't happen because he's got too many great matches um sean michaels would not get he will never talk about his um survivor series 2003 performance even though it's great right but I would include that if it was in his top five matches because the match is so about him, right? Uh, Maybe Edge when he wins the first Money in the Bank. It's so about him. So those are excluded. Also excluded, I've excluded a few here, okay? So I excluded the match against Matt Hardy from SummerSlam 2008. It's just dumb booking. It's two seconds long. I have it at one star, but I'm not gonna talk. There's nothing to talk about, right? I also excluded the match where he tags with D'Lo Brown against the Headbangers and New Age Outlaws from Survivor Series 1998. Um it, it, it's just he's he's one of six. It's not really it's not his fault the match is bad. And I have other stuff I could talk about. But it's kind of sad that at this point Mark Henry's not even good enough to be included in the tournament despite the fact that he beat the eventual winner of the tournament the month before. I'd be pissed if I was him. Like there's like 16 guys in the tournament. Why not have him? One of them is fucking Dwayne Gill. All right, five worst matches. Number 5 versus Tommy Dreamer. Great American Bash, 2008 ECW Championship. So this this whole run, this ECW run, seems pretty well regarded by some. Uh, my only recollection of the whole thing is the Matt Hardy squash. I wasn't watching ECW at the time, so I only got the pay-per-view stuff, right? So here we go. Mark Henry comes out to um, almost zero reaction. I even plugged my headphones in and went back and cranked the sound to check. But he's strutting down, smiling with Tony Atlas. Again, I don't understand why he's so fucking sweaty already. Also, how does Dreamer not get the first entrance? I don't understand why he's so happy either. Like, but why is Mark Henry so happy at this point? Is he just thrilled that he wasn't canceled for not banging Sammy? Very subdued reaction for Dreamer too. He's got that skinny fuck Colin Delaney with him. I never knew who that person was till I saw his name in the WWE encyclopedia. And I don't believe for one second... That Tommy Dreamer could hurt Mark Henry. I also hate that Dreamer wrestles in an ECW shirt. No promotions on the shirt. Henry throws him the fuck around. I urge you, I urge you to watch the beginning of this match so you can see how little Mark Henry knows about throwing punches. He winds up and then super slowly swings for Dreamer's head. Dreamer, of course, is already ducked. Uh, and Taz, for some reason, keeps calling Henry a Redwood. He's a Redwood. Henry uh, doing the Andre the Giant memorial offense, just standing on him. I don't know why Henry isn't doing more strength stuff. That's what makes him special. Henry slows things down, uh, and it's already a slow match, with a standing chin lock. Jimer fights up slowly, but then he just gets shoved back down. Henry's working a wrist lock, and the crowd is pissed and chanting boring. boring. And I hear you, because it's been two minutes, right? Also, why the fuck can't Colin Delaney be wearing a t-shirt? Atlas. is adding adding nothing to the match except for saying like, how do you feel, Tommy Dreamer? He probably feels like shit, Tony. Okay? He's old, he's broken down, and a giant man is jumping on him. But, I'll tell you what, Tommy Dreamer, one thing you have over Tony Atlas, you were never paraded around like a barefoot African. Henry tries for a splash, which Adam Lee calls the world's strongest slam. Taz corrects him. Um, I wonder if Mike not knowing the difference between a slam and a splash was like the kiss of death for him. Henry misses a charge that looks so fucking contrived. Like these two are just not clicking at all. Henry's 12 years into his career, right? Um, And Dreamer is like at least as long. Why does Henry's stuff still look like shit? Why does it still look slow? Dreamer climbs the ropes, takes 20 seconds to pose. Delaney poses with him. Then Delaney turns on Dreamer and Henry finishes with the actual world's strongest slam. Imagine that. Of all people involved in this match. So Tommy Dreamer, Colin Delaney, Tony Atlas. And Mark Henry isn't the fucking focus. Instead, this championship match is the background to the sizzling hot Tommy Dreamer-Colin Delaney feud. What a mess. 1.75 stars. And Colin, not a good wrestling name. Number four. Versus Jerry Lawler. Mind Games, 1996. Hey, hey. <laughs> Back to it. Remember when Mark Kennedy was just happy to be there? <laughs> I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the montage of him walking around Philadelphia. I'm not on video here, but like, he's just touching stuff, like gently, bells, horses. I mean, <laughs> good thing this wasn't 1998, because those horses are like prime meat for a man that size. Like I know the direction uh, during the montage. I- I'm sure this is what they told him. They said, Mark, listen, stand by the Liberty Bell, reach out your hand, and just look at it with love. Think about America. You know, just think about it. You know, think about America when you're touching that bell. And look, I know. I know it's really difficult with a raging hard-on, but do it. Obviously, I feel for Big Mark. Because this match stems from Mark demanding that someone do something about Lawler re-alcoholizing Jake Roberts. And I know we shit on Kane and Jericho for fighting over spilled coffee. But this feud seems to start with Lawler pretending to accidentally spill water on Henry. Why is Henry so pissed about water, right? I'm going to go with him feeling disrespected rather than any of the stereotypes that you bigots are thinking about. Mark Henry was wearing so much flag. There is no way that this was the intention of Betsy Ross. I mean, you create this beautiful work of art only for it to be used as a loincloth for this redwood of a man. Not only is it a flag, but it also has the WWF logo on it. Jesus fucking Christ. Lawler starts going off on the Olympics of all things. I would pay... I would pay every dollar I own to watch Jerry Lawler show up at the Olympics, do his act, and then try to cheat his way to a gold medal at wrestling. Uh, Slow down men on a mission music from Henry. I guess, yeah, this is his first match, at least on, on pay-per-view or television. He jogs to the ring, which feels like a minor miracle. And JR is already making excuses, saying that he isn't ready to, to, to compete. A word on Mark Henry's hat fucking ridiculous sorry two words i guess it would look ridiculous on mario and he popularized that hat he fucking hurls that hat into the crowd and i can't believe someone didn't throw it back lawler's commenting on the match as he's doing it talking about needing to show henry a basic headlock henry pandering to the crowd is weird too lawler gets the headlock and henry quickly turns it into a hammerlock then henry shoved his face first into a turnbuckle crowd is taunting lawler i feel like though they give zero fucks for henry Henry then very slowly gets his own hammerlock. And then Vince is like, well, someone must be coaching him. I fucking hope so, Vince. Someone's got to be coaching the man. He's never wrestled before. He's going to hurt somebody. Lawler tries for a slam, which gets a laugh out of the audience. And it's funny. Then Lawler gets his ass slammed to the mat. Then Henry stands there while Lawler runs and smashes into him. So let's count. So far, hammerlock, body slam, press slam. And then just stand there. Those have been Mark Henry's moves. It's his first match. It's fine. Henry then darts him out of the ring and Lawler goes way over to the guardrail. And Henry like points to his head like he did something smart. Jerry Lawler has a plan though. He gets the brass knuckles, starts cheating, punches him. Henry's fine a minute longer. I wonder if Vince still thinks he's being coached at this point. Then Henry just picks him up in a backbreaker and and a submission. And holy shit, in this win, Mark Henry is happy as fuck leaf cassidy jumps in henry sloppily shoves him out of the way same with janetti and now hunter hurst helmsley vince is like everyone trying to make a name for themselves at the expense of this olympian good grief too many words triple h gets pressed to the outside what a shame what a shame he wasn't permanently injured like what are you doing henry you're messing up all kinds of uh other shit you can't hurt triple h and spare us 25 years of bullshit This was not the worst thing I've ever seen. (laughs) Same score as the last one, 1.75. But I mean, what can we expect from a guy who can barely move and who JR apologizes for before he even steps in the ring? Third worst versus Kane. Lumberjack match. (laughs) One night stand 2007. Why is this happening? Why did I start this project? 12 Lumberjacks. Chris Benoit is a Lumberjack. And... (laughs) Fun note, this is his final pay-per-view appearance. The last time this man, Chris Benoit, was on pay-per-view, he was forced to watch Kane and Mark Henry up close. I don't want to jump to any conclusions here, but maybe, maybe we're asking the wrong questions all this time. Perhaps if he gets to sit this one out or go home early, the dogs get to stay in the house that night. So let's take a look at the rest of the Lumberjacks. Uh, Val Val Venus is next. And immediately after this match, he started selling weed. Santino's there, turned heel right away. Balls Mahoney got hepatitis. Uh, Steven Richards and The Miz are next. Miz right now is just detestable. Kevin Thorne is next uh, with a slimmed down Chris Masters. I'm sure Triple H made fun of him backstage. Uh, Jomo is uh, rubbing his abs like he expects Will Smith to come out of them. Uh, Chavo. Fuck Chavo. I don't want to talk about him. Ken Dykstra has a a fox around his neck for some reason. Like, legit, he's just wearing a dead fox. Maybe it's explained on the TV. I don't know. Whatever. Carlito here comes out. And then Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit was the world champion three years earlier. Again, Henry comes out to zero reaction. And I remember at the time, always being disappointed he was coming out. Slightly better uh, reaction for Kane, but it's possible they were just cheering the pyro. Henry throws Kane and no out of the ring. No one touches him. Cole then, Cole then was like, "Mark Henry uh, is the self-proclaimed Silverback," and I, I'd like to know how long they workshop that nickname uh, before they were like, "Well, no, no, hold on, it has to be self-named." Henry goes out and fights everyone off. Kane with this contrived open-hand slap to the face. They fight to the outside. No one does anything. So, what the fuck is the point of the match then? Why are they forcing all these guys to watch it? do like, th- they have nothing else to do? Do they deserve this punishment? And this is a major problem from Henry matches and a few of them that I've noticed as I was watching. Because I watch a lot of... I don't just watch the match I talk about. I watch a bunch to see like, okay, well what, you know, what is the worst? Because I have a ranking of the pay-per-view matches, but I don't have a rank of the TV, so I'll go and watch a lot of it. So this is a problem for him. We're a minute into this match and it's already slowed to a crawl. And I get that he's huge and he's slower... But he doesn't need to be this slow. And all Kane has done is slap. Balls Mahoney claps for Kane, uh, like a Kane kick out. I didn't know he was a fan. Uh, it's weird watching this match after the Lawler match. Like he's doing all the same moves. Club, chest bump, now a bear hug. It's 20 years later. Well, not 10. I guess it's only 11 years later. Excuse me. Uh, Kane uh, puts out his back trying to choke slam Henry. Then Henry goes to work with another bear hug. JBL talks about Henry being the most effective bear hugger of all time. And I can't remember a time he anyone ever submitted to it, right? I do remember Brock Lesnar beating Hulk Hogan with it. That feels more effective. Bear hugger from Super Punch-Out, probably more effective. Cole is really filating Henry's girth. He's just thick! Like, in 2022, that makes him an attractive... Well, yeah, I guess he'd be attractive in 2022 because of that. People like thick things. Kane jumps from the top to the outside. Now he's just punching again. Kane finally hits a choke slam. Then Dykstra and Chavo, despite being too scared to do anything earlier in the match, jump in and attack Kane. Then back to the fucking bear hug. I guess the Lumberjacks were just there to cheer during the bear hug. Kane passes out and Mark Henry wins. Maybe he is the most effective bear hugger. It took Undertaker three tombstones to beat Kane, but Henry just squeezed him. Clean win, but what a pointless endeavor right? Why are we building him this way? But also why make this a lumberjack match with all the bullshit? I'm still going to go one and three quarters. It's all been one, three quarters so far, but only because the, the back work was technically logical from start to finish from Henry. Um, it was boring, but it was logical. And I think now that we've talked about it, we can definitely surmise that it led to the deaths of three people and some hungry dogs. Number two, fully loaded 1998 versus Vader. You could have offered me ten thousand dollars, and I'd still struggle to remember when this match happened. I can't even remember the finish, right? And look, I don't know if you could blame me. I've watched a lot of Mark Henry matches, and here I am sitting on the precipice of perhaps losing my sanity. Ross promises a battle of the bulls. I just want a watchable match. Vader's dancing as a face is weird. Like there, like there's an arrogance to his heel work when he's doing it when he's dancing but as a face it feels strange like the side to side shit he does but to this point there is zero threat coming from vader henry marches out to the nation song that's what it's all that's what it's all about declares mark i don't know what he's talking about but ross is all in uh with the stats on his squats and his deadlifts they run right into each other and after that start i can't imagine why this is so slow Vince must have thrown his headset down when he heard the crowd chanting for Vader. Then they run at each other and, and both uh, go for a body slam pickup. Henry powers him up and slams him, drops a big elbow. Fuck, declares Vader. Then they just kind of slide into each other while Henry tries to figure out an Irish whip. Look, they're a simple people, Mark. Uh, they like potatoes and beer. How is he still fucking up Irish whips two years in? It's simple. Like it's a simple move, like the disgusting cuisine of the Irish. But he can dunk a basketball, according to Ross. Sunset flip attempt uh, leads to Henry eating Vader's ass. I feel like if you knew nothing about wrestling and you had to guess which one of these men was named Leon, you'd probably mess it up. Vader in control with punches, light shoves. I don't want to write light shoves ever. Henry then terrifies me by almost landing neck first on the stairs. Vader splashes him from the second rope, but Henry kicks out with a mighty shrug and a very rolled up penis. Henry then jumps up and power slams him. Then a jumping splash beats him clean. Uh, Henry then starts taking his clothes off. No thanks, I'm good, bud. Another one, one and three quarters. These matches are boring and bad with botches. But nothing's getting to all time level bad. Yet. Mark Henry's worst match unforgiven 2007 versus the undertaker he's fighting the guy who's on the poster for the show so this has to be good and important right right this is the main event again next to no reaction for henry as he comes into the main event to fight the goddamn undertaker cole then declares that on may 11th mark henry forced the undertaker's soul to leave the arena Good Lord, that's why people hate Michael Cole. Forcing his soul to leave the arena? Uh, sorry, uh, sorry, uh, Mark Calloway, I wanted to stay, but Mr. Henry is forcing me out. And how many times does The Undertaker need to be declared dead in an arena? I will say, here's some positives, Henry's attitude and demeanor are all very strong. They wait forever to bring Taker out, chanting, lighting, and then Henry acting all surprised like he hasn't been working for the company for 11 years at this point. Dry ice budget, out of control here. The freezers alone, they would need to house it, cost more than my house. I never liked how Tony Chimmel said Undertaker like it was two words. The under-taker. Under-taker. Under what? Cole then goes on hyperbolic. He preyed on him not only destroying the man, but taking the title. How is taking the title worse than destroying a man? Then he tells us again, how he watched his soul leave the arena. I'm sorry. All right. I already watched that in 1994, then saw similar technology at a laser show projected onto a waterfall. Like the waterfall show was about the emptiness of space. And it was way more fun than any of these matches. Great shot though. As both guys stand in the corner as dry ice cascades through the ring People don't use the word cascade enough. Henry backs off to start and then starts to reason with him. But look, there's no reasoning with the best pure striker. And just as I was writing it, Michael Cole said it. He couldn't get two minutes in without throwing this fucking nonsense. Takes over a minute to set up a superplex. Henry finally gets it done. And we're three minutes in after a minute of superplex prep. And we're doing both guys lying around. The Pure Striker attacks, though. Boop. He's going boo, 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 boo. Undertaker's saying that. I don't know if the sounds help or hinder of the Pure Striker case, but it's like when uh, they had to tell Ewan McGregor with the lightsayer to be like, voom, 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 stop that shit. It's just a ton of punches on the outside. Now Henry is just jumping up and down on him. Uh, Cole attributes Henry to weathering the emotional storm of The Undertaker whatever you fucking loser just just stop talking more just slugging each other then they do a move that could go either way it it kind of looks like Undertaker's using Truth's uh, jumping finish but Henry just falls and they call it like a counter whatever just get this done Henry hits a third splash and then just sits there on his knees smiling and clenching his fists why are you doing that like are you just waiting for the Undertaker to sit up guess what that's what happened Taker's up now, and he's acting like nothing's wrong. He hadn't been jumped on a bunch of times. Clotheslines, old school, great-looking chokeslam from Taker. But then Taker looks legit shocked when Henry kicks out, and I don't think at this point he's, like, ever beaten anybody with the chokeslam, or if he has, like, a raw match, but not a big match, right? Henry is fine, though. He grabs a bear hug, and they reference the Kane match, so we got some continuity. Maybe I'll bump him up in narrative. He works him into the corner and then climbs to the second rope, Uh, He's punching him. Undertaker's in the second rope. Uh, Mark Henry's climbing. He's punching him. Very conveniently placing himself in position for the last ride. Which Undertaker hits. Gets three. One and a quarter. I mean, there's got to be a bit of sliding scale as Henry gets older. But I don't blame only him. This is such a shitty effort from two veterans in a main event. Like they were, if you go back and watch this, my general takeaway is that they're just going through the motions. And it's awful. And when you imagine the year that Undertaker has in 2007 and then in 2008, look who brings the bad match out of him. Like I'd rather they try some new shit like that stupid Punjabi prison, which I also hate, but I'd rather they try that than just uh, arrest on your laurels, nothing stupidity match. All right. We talked about the bad and had some fun. Let's talk about the worst. <laughs> Sorry. Let's talk about the good and have no fun. Uh, his fifth best match. Judgment Day 2006 versus Kurt Angle. And I'm, I'm glad there was something from the mid-2000s that made this list. I mean, there's still no reaction for Mark Henry. Perhaps it's because he looks like he just stepped out of the shower. But what is he doing back there? Is he just fucking? Is he still just fucking and has to shower all the time? This is also Kurt's last uh, pay-per-view before he's uh, shipped off to ECW. Man, Henry is just burning out the best workers in the company left and right. Henry starts to rip up the table immediately. Clearly, he's up to no good. He wants a microphone. Is Kurt's real name Curtis? Because that would change some things. They finally, finally boo Mark Henry when he grabs the mic. He hurts people! Fine. He knows Kurt's not 100%, so he's basically threatening to murder him. The Kurt music cue is super late, and Mark Henry on the mic doesn't know what to do. He just stands there, deer in the headlights. See, and that's the criticism. It's like... Okay, it's 2006 now. It's 10 years. You can't improvise a little bit? Anyway, the music finally comes. Kurt's in God mode here. So I I, I feel good. I feel like this is going to hold up. Great intensity from Angle, jumping him from behind. It's already more energetic than any other match that we've watched so far. Angle is so good. Changing up the offense when Henry misses a butt drop. Just runs and kicks him in the face with urgency. He, yeah, Angle has urgency. not why Henry couldn't learn some of this. Angle tries to German him, though, through the table, which would have murdered Henry. Uh, what's great here, though, is that Kurt is uh, use, is attacking him in the match like he knows he has to beat him early, and he knows he has to get him off his feet. And then Henry hits a great clothesline just to even the odds. So it's a cool story, and Henry's playing it well. Angle knows he has knows he has to win fast, and it plays out because once Henry hits one big power move, Angle's in trouble. Cole then declares Angle the best pure wrestler in the company. I, I, what What other pure things could there be? Is Teddy Long the best pure dancer? The best pure tag team matchmaker? Seated reverse chin lock from Henry that looks like it should end any match. I don't see anybody getting out of that. See here it's okay. It's okay that Henry slows down the pace here. Because when Angle is in control, everything is so fast paced. So it's it's a nice contrast. Angle jumps and gets caught in the world's strongest slam. But Angle counters into a DDT. And see, so here's another great sequence. Angle punches and Henry counters with headbutts and forearms. Love it. German suplex from Kurt. Angle slam. But Cole says, <laughs> see, when? here's the thing. Here's the problem with Michael Cole. And I know I've mentioned it before. So Kurt hits the angle slam. And as we're doing the right before the count, Michael Cole goes, this could be it. We at that point, as soon as Cole says, that's it. New champion. Is if he says anything like that, uh, it's not the end of the match. He spoils every match as soon as you see his pattern. And I'm sorry I just ruined it for everyone. But he's the worst. Henry with some decent selling in contrast to like the bad matches when he wasn't selling. Henry wrecks him with a jumping clothesline though. World's strongest slam and Kurt does one of his great last second kickouts. Henry goes for another world's strongest slam but Angle wiggles out and gets an ankle lock. Henry rolls out of it though. And I'd forgotten, and this is cool, I'd forgotten that they cleared the table earlier, right? So now they go back to it. Great stuff. Henry looks like he's going to splash Angle through it, but Kurt moves. Henry rams him into the post, playing off all the rib work they've been working on the whole match. And and uh, Kurt Angle gets counted out. And I don't mind the countout win, and I don't mind it every now and then if it makes sense, and it made sense here. Both guys worked hard. Match was fun, what I wasn't saying before, right? Three and a quarter, ending aside. Post-match beat down by Henry, but Kurt fights back, despite being too hurt to move a minute ago. Like, he couldn't get up. Why is he fighting back? It's no good from Kurt. Kurt kills Henry with a chair and presumably breaks his ankle. And I can't tell who it is, but whoever whoever the dude is who tries to wrench Angle's legs off is awesome. I think it's Skinner. Uh, Angle breaks free and Olympic slams Henry uh, off the announce table. And it's not enough. Uh, Angle then destroys him with a chair shot to the face. Like, what happened here? Was this a punishment for uh, Mark Henry? But fun stuff. And again, it's like, look, Henry can do it. You just got to put him in a position to succeed. Fourth best match. Money in the Bank 2013 versus Gian Cena. This is the result of one of the greatest promos of all time. Cena had beaten Rock and Henry had surprisingly beaten Ryback. And then Ryback got the first shot at Cena, not Henry. What's happening? Uh, So he comes out for this match, Mark Henry massive pop for Henry. What a change for the mid-2000s. Lawler actually remembers being darted into the guardrails. He mentions it in the commentary, which I think is awesome stuff. And the people are clearly ready for a Mark Henry win here. Yep. Cena is, of course, booed out of the building. It's so funny looking back, you forget how loud the crowd is against him. And I love that they'd always crank Cena's music up that little bit higher uh, to kind of attempt to mask that. Cena with the ultra obnoxious Champ Is Here shirt with the belt drawn on it. Big time intros, huge cheers for dastardly heel Mark Henry. I mean, the dude lied about retiring and he's the most overface in the building. Henry is like screaming about how Cena is his this is a this is like such a small thing that Mark Henry added in the later part of his career, which is amazing, is he added that trash talk and it was scary. Like he looks intimidating as fuck, right? By this point, Henry has gotten really good at less is more. A sidestep with a knee, devastating. One headbutt destroys Cena. Henry works him over, but the crowd is molten. So it doesn't feel like there's any dead space, right? Henry follows Cena to the outside, drops him stomach first on the steps. Big reaction for that huge sexual chocolate chant (laughs) hey you can't name someone that and expect them not to remember cena's draped on the ropes and henry runs and jumps on his neck and it looks like he blows out his knee but a cool move you don't see from him often cena with two punches and a drop kick and the crowd is livid at that but henry comes back with the clothesline devastated cena And again, it's like it's a great story of contrast, like the last match. Cena has to do a bunch, Henry has to do one thing. And Henry's become so good at just doing that one thing. Giant swing by Henry. I wasn't expecting that, I didn't remember that either. Then they go to the outside. Henry giant swings Cena into the barricade. Chin lock from Henry on Cena. Cena buckles on the Cena sucks and charges up on Let's Go Cena, which is always a nice touch. Good job on Cena there. Bouillet punches. I'll let you guess who the Philadelphia crowd is behind. Five knuckles shuffle. The crowd is pissed. Cena picks Henry up for the AA but gets crushed. Henry Henry just collapses on him. Gives the crowd hope. In an awesome spot where Henry has him uh, by the hand and yells for Cena, Get your ass up! Love it. Now Cena does get up and gives him the AA. Henry kicks out so the crowd is excited. And Henry, uh, Cena can't understand what's happened. So he goes to the top. He jumps, and Henry fucking catches him. World's strongest slam. Crowd is insane. This probably should have been the finish. Incredible stuff here. Crowd chants, One more time! Henry's pissed, so he rips off the turnbuckle pad. And then Henry gets shoved into the exposed turnbuckle and gets put in the STF. Cena fucking applies no pressure at all. It looks like shit. Ref bump, Cena gets low-blowed. But Cole says... Mark Henry's going to steal the title. So you know it's not finished. Henry looks pissed. He tries the world's strongest slam, but Cena jumps behind him, gets the STF again. Again, zero pressure. Henry taps. Awful ending. I can live with Mark Henry losing. I can live with it. But after that promo and his obsession over the title, he can't give up that fast. It's bad storytelling. But very good match. Three and a half. Number three. Money in the Bank 2011 versus The Big Show. Nice pop for Henry on the entrance. I love that he's getting reactions now. Mixture of fear and encouragement from the audience. Henry goes after the fan on the entrance and the fan fucking runs, which is probably good. This, as Cole talks about an assault on a cameraman. I mean, Henry just looks like such an asshole here and I am here for it. And I can't believe I'm talking talking about a Big Show match and it's high on the list. I guess Big Show just doesn't care at all about having a smooth chest anymore because his hair is all over the place. Hoss fight right away. They run at each other. They're punching. They're chopping. Then they start slamming their bodies into each other. Huge running clothesline from Show. They fight over who's going to put the other one through the table. Henry even flips over the stairs when the Big Show throws him into it. Jumping dropkick from Henry to the stairs to hurt the Big Show. And I love that Mark, you see, again, Mark Henry's working with urgency here. He's the fast one. Henry with the strategy of taking out Big Show's knee with a chop block. Booker T then goes, somebody's going to get hurt in this match. Tonight. Uh, He says this three times inside a minute. Somebody's going to get hurt in this match. Tonight. Somebody's going to get hurt in this match. Tonight. And I'm not getting paid to do commentary for WWE. Henry working a devastating looking half crab. Big Show fights his way to the ropes and Henry is pissed. I like that he's pissed. And not surprised. You know like a real human person who has wrestled before. And these guys are doing a great job making everything look devastating. Even Henry running into the Big Show's boot looks legit. Big Show goes for a clothesline but Henry kicks him in the knee. Gives him a world's strongest slam. And now Henry is surprised. But I think in, in his defense. Uh, I'm not sure anyone kicked out of that in a while. And it's a quick surprise. Because he's like oh and then goes right back to it. He doesn't do the face to the camera 15 minutes. Another world's strongest slam and now a huge splash and another. And this ends the big show. He just crushed him. I love that he was like, fuck it. I got to do a lot of stuff. So he just kept hitting him with stuff. I love that. You go out of the norm when you have to go out of the norm. That's storytelling. Henry won't even tolerate the ref raising his arm. And the post-match is so good. He pulls the big show to the corner, grabs a chair, pilmanizes him. He has to walk by that stupid GM podium to get the chair. So I remember that. He fucking Vader bombs the leg too. Big Show's screaming. Ah! Such a great scream. Ah! Henry was zero mercy. And he's standing around screaming too. I'm so sad. The one missed opportunity is that they don't play Henry's music while Big Show is suffering on the ground. (laughs) Another nice touch though is when the paramedics come in. Henry makes the paramedics run around him. Awesome character stuff here. He's on a roll, and he's killing at this point, melding character and action. Like it's really uh, impressive stuff. And the roll continues with his second best match, SummerSlam 2011 versus Sheamus. Uh, This is the match that turned Sheamus face with three words: "I'll fight him." Amazing. Uh, Everything. Henry's getting more over at every entrance. On the entrance, Henry gets a great reaction. Gone are the days of zero reaction. Cole declares that he's scary dominant. But Booker T clarifies Henry is a bully. And I have no doubt that Vince McMahon threw down his headset when he heard that. Seamus is a complete face here. And it's this is just a fucking fight. I love that Henry has just morphed into this ass kicker. Seamus is pummeling the shit out of his back. And Seamus is doing well until Henry's had enough and just tosses him out of the ring before casually pulling his hair back henry screams at the announcers calling them clowns he then jumps at seamus's head while he rests on the ropes to a massive "Ooh!" from the crowd fantastic backbreaker submission with seamus over henry's shoulders seamus has a lot of fight but booker states that he's taking the wrong approach of going strength for strength with henry tonight seamus with the 10 beats of the bowery and henry fights out before seamus just stops fucking around and does some more Henry's reeling, and I like it because, like, Seamus is a legit challenge, right? Uh, Broke kick, though, sends Henry to the outside. Then, in an incredible spot, because um, Seamus goes up to the outside, Henry just scoops up Seamus, runs him into the post, and then fucking drives him through the barricade. The security guy who's sitting there has to throw himself out of the way, otherwise, he'd have two broken legs. Seamus is dead, dead, dead dead Henry back in the ring Sheamus crawls uh but he can't make the count so Henry wins I fucking love this match it's not groundbreaking but it's just two Haas monsters trying to kill one another and I don't even mind again the count out victory like the Urngel match this is not lazy as a count out it's memorable plus it looked like Sheamus had been murdered three and three quarters and like this makes me wish that the money in the bank hadn't happened for Smackdown this year I mean, I can only imagine how much more over Sheamus gets if he's chasing Henry all the way to Mania. That might have been something special. Mark Henry's best match. The streak of pay-per-views, Money in the Bank, SummerSlam 2011, continues at Night of Champions 2011. Mark Henry, Randy Orton, here we go. Sounds of awe and fear from the crowd on Henry's uh, entrance. And I think this is a tasteful use of red in his uh, singlet. Just a little trim. He waits with patience and is not impressed at all with Randy Orton's entrance. He hasn't moved at all during the intro, save to argue about with the ref, about who knows what, right? Not sure I've ever seen a guy argue with a ref before the match, but who knows what they do in Silsby, Texas. Booker, of course, goes on about how he is the reason the heavyweight title is in the company tonight. Uh, The story early is Orton working the leg and Henry being too lumbering to defeat him. Garvin Stomp just makes Henry angry and he gets up and gets thrown out of the ring. One outside tantrum later, Henry's back in. Henry's back in and he means business. Booker is rightly talking now about how Henry only needs one big shot to win the title. I love too that Orton works a sleeper in, which isn't usually in his moveset. It's like an attempt to offset the strength. Incredible spot as Henry lays Orton over the top rope while in a sleeper. And then Henry clubs the fuck out of him to the outside. Orton's in trouble now. And Henry's killing him dead with headbutts. Then Henry wraps his whole body around the ring post. So think think Bret Hart figure four around the ring post. But instead Henry's on the outside, like bending his back around the post. It's visually impressive. It looks like it kills. Orton's doing a fantastic job selling uh, Henry's clubbing offense. One big forearm and Randy looks like he's in mortal peril. The story is, is, is really strong too. Henry dominates until he makes a mistake and then Orton scrambles to try and stay alive. Henry hits a world's strongest slam which gets two. Henry doesn't do a dumbass shock face either. Instead, he just gets mad and does a Vader bomb and get kicked in the face. Orton preps for the RKO. He's doing his snake dance uh, but Henry just smartly rolls out of the ring. I love that. Gets DDT'd uh, but manages to hang onto the ropes to save himself. Cole then starts going on about that place that Randy Orton's going to. He's going to that place. I hate that place. I fucking hate the words as they come out of his mouth. Where is that? What is that? Orton then gets leveled with a big kick to the leg. He's hurt, and now Henry's smiling. He knows. Orton gently tries to climb up Mark Henry's body, but Henry's dominant now. Orton climbs up again, tries an RKO, and in an awesome moment, Henry just shrugs him off. Then Henry grabs him, second world strongest slam. One, two, three wins. He wins the title. Massive pop. The music also hits exactly at the right spot for the victory. Henry's celebration is awesome. I love this match. I love it. It told not only the story of Orton being overwhelmed, but Henry, excuse me, being overwhelmed by Henry, but it also told the story of Mark Henry's career in in a match form. I loved it. Four stars. And then after, the, you know what? Uh, we'll leave uh, <laughs> we'll leave what happens after the match for the next section. Let's rank his promos. And uh, like I know what you're expecting me to cover here, but it's just too long. Uh, instead, I clicked on a YouTube video that said "greatest promo of all time," and it's the one right after Henry won the title in the match we just covered. So, and here he is all fired up. Let's give it a listen.
1: Give me this you didn't believe, did you? You didn't believe that I would be holding the most coveted prize in professional wrestling. Did you? Oh, and don't start cheering. Don't start cheering because none of you believed it either. You're all doubters, you all haters. I'd like to welcome all of you to the Hall of Fame. This is my moment and I'm not sharing it with none of you. You don't deserve this. I'm gonna be the most dominant champion of all time. I'm taking on all comers. I ain't running from nobody. And I'm never, ever losing this title.
0: way he's in Josh Matthews' face. You didn't believe me, did you? You didn't believe I'd win the most coveted prize in the world. Then he pauses. And a great tone change for the second, did you? That tone change tells us everything we need to know about how frustrated he was that people didn't believe in him. It wasn't just about winning tonight. He wanted to shove it in everyone's faces. And another great tone change when he gets on the crowd for cheering him as well. Because the crowd's cheering him, right? He's like, oh, no, 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 no. You didn't believe in me either, so you don't get to be on my side now. It's not just a tone change, though. He also plays with volume. Don't start cheering because none of y'all believed it either. He goes higher. That's the sign of a dude who is very comfortable cutting promos. When he's using two tools on a single beat change, he's using tone and volume. That's great. Again, this is the kind of stuff that the best actors just do. But to see it in a wrestling ring is refreshing. Listen to the tones. If you want to go back and do it, I'm not going to play it again, but listen to the tones when he gets to talk about doubters and haters. You can tell by the tone just how much he hates those kind of people. And where do those people go? To the goddamn Hall of Pain. He paints a picture here beautifully. If you doubted or hated on him, you're part of the problem and you're getting hurt. This is my moment and I'm not sharing it with none of you. You can feel the pain in his voice. Like you can actually feel pain in the man's voice. Hurt people hurt people, right? This whole hall of pain, this whole run was brought upon us by all the haters and doubters. Man, it takes bravery to admit when you're hurt. It makes you vulnerable. Makes you relatable. It should be no surprise that Henry got way more popular after this match and this promo. He caps the part about the audience not participating by raising his arm and saying that he doesn't deserve, they don't deserve to celebrate with him. Again, what a brilliant choice of words. He then and characteristically declares himself to be a fighting champion. His booking up to this point gives us no choice but to believe him. Heels aren't usually fighting champions, but at this point I'm like, yeah, he's going to be. And listen to the emphasis on the words never and ever as he claims he's never gonna lose. He does a fantastic job of making the words never and ever feel eternal. Now, he'd be wrong, but at this moment, it kind of feels like this guy's gonna be champion forever. He's just natural here. He speaks like a human and shows human emotions. It doesn't feel like something I should need to highlight but it's not commonplace in wrestling. Hogan was vulnerable, but he didn't really speak like a human. Triple H talked like a human, a boring-ass human, but he never showed any emotion. Henry's really great at nailing both. And this is a serious promo. I mean, in the past, he's killed it with comedy, with poetry. This is serious, and he's still killing him. Not killing him, killing it. What makes him a great talker is that he just gives himself over to whatever he's working with. I'm fucking Mae Young, fine, I'm doing it. I'm opening a Hall of Pain, no problem. And there's no ego that says, I'm gonna look dumb. That attitude, I'm gonna look dumb, is the death of art. That's why Triple H never succeeded as a face, because he never wanted to look vulnerable. He never wanted to look dumb. And there's tons of examples of it, not just in wrestling, in all art. Mark Henry is a coherent, cogent speaker, and when called upon, He was able to infuse emotion and that made him an incredible promo. I'm going to go eight on 10 on promos. And I wish, I think he'd score a lot higher as a character and on narrative and stuff if they let him talk more often and didn't make him do so much stupid shit. Despite the fact that I like the stupid shit. Importance. Here's the problem with this category. And I hope I don't take heat from this, but it is what it is. I kind of feel like you could pluck Mark Henry out of the history of wrestling and not lose that much. I mean, what are we really giving up? Some nondescript face or heel turns? The only live birth in company history? I mean, sure, it's a birth, but it's a hand, it's not a human being. And do we really need to start asking questions about that? Like, was she ever pregnant? Did she stuff a hand up her pussy to trap Mark Henry into marrying her? Was her body withered with the effects of age and tables only capable of conceiving one human hand? was a huge opportunity missed by not christening her friend Moolah the doula. There's too many unanswered questions. Yes, we don't want to lose the Hall of Pain. But if Henry's gone, we get a a better title match at Royal Rumble 96. Like, does Kurt Angle perhaps face anyone who would have been better at the time? And I know this much. That I know like... If Mark Henry wasn't around, there'd be one less incident of blackface in the promotion. And I guess when it comes to importance, the big thing to ask is, would the successful things he was a part of been successful without him? I think he makes little or no difference if he's in the nation of domination. I mean, in theory, it works to have him as the muscle, but I kind of feel you have Kama in there as the muscle, which is, and, and Kama feels like a million times tougher than him. Kama's certainly less injury prone, And that's with all the fucking. Like imagine how much trim that fucking pimp had to please. Hold on a minute. Now that I think about it. When Mark Henry wasn't injured. When he was sexual chocolate. I think about this a lot. Because perhaps. Perhaps his addiction. And his desire for fucking. Came from a fundamental need. The need of his body to be fornicating. Lest he suffer injury. See that's already a better storyline than they came up with for Henry. Sex could be his fuel that works what's that it's not a good excuse for having a sex addiction well i'll tell you what it's a better excuse than being statutory raped by your sister at age eight i think we also need to state the obvious when we saw how great mark henry could be it's extremely disappointing that he had the career that he had he must be one of the greatest underachievers in company history now again i think i've said this before but that might be his fault or it might be the booking but any way you slice it I find his career is a big what if. I mean, you're handed the legitimate world's strongest man and within a year you make him a complete buffoon. How many guys are there for nearly 20 years? 20 years, right? And I have to research I have to research what he's doing despite the fact that I was watching the program the entire time he was there. I swear I could think of more Ahmed Johnson memories than Mark Henry. And Johnson was there for a 20th of the time. And he didn't get anybody pregnant. Henry does manage uh, to have the uh, best match on the show five times out of his 50 pay-per-view appearance. The only caveat, though, is that he's winning a lot by, like, the best match by default. For example, Over the Edge 1999, not the best show for a memory. He ties for best match when he and D'Lo take on X-Pac and Kane. And that match is a whopping three and a quarter stars. So that's one of his five, right? One of his five, right? Best match on the show. He's only the worst match on the four, four times also. So again, good old Henry right in the middle of nothing too great, nothing too awful. But it's it's very difficult to, to, to see the actual impact this dude had on the business. Look, I know that from 2011 on, I was always happy to see him, but then... I was also always a little let down by what they had planned for him. I guess there's a certain cachet in having the world's strongest man on your roster. But it's not like he was ever promoted at the front and center of the promotion. It's not like they ever tried to leverage his outs, uh, his outside success um, as tangible goods for their own company. So his importance isn't high. It can't be. It's four on ten. And it's all, all for the hall of pain presentation. He was presented as the living embodiment of America, right? And what is that living embodiment of America in their eyes? Sexual addiction and hurting people. But I think they finally got it right with the hurting people, which is why once they landed there, his impact on the company grew. But he was never really presented as a major threat in 2011. I mean, yes, they gave him The Undertaker a few times, But that was in service of killing time for the dead man as opposed to doing something constructive for Mark Henry. But his music. Oh, his music. His first song was the Lex Luger theme. (laughs) It's the... uh, uh, I feel not enough time had passed. Luger had broken our hearts. Uh, He failed. He departed. And we weren't ready for that big ball of America to come back no matter how strong or happy it was. Then they gave him that track uh, from Mind Games which was recorded by the same group that did Fatu's Making a Difference and Rikishi's Bad Man. So quiet. Then he's doing the Nation of Domination music. This is a good track for everyone involved except The Rock who needed his own version. Nothing really specific uh, to Henry here. But let's give this one a listen. It's
1: And I want to give it all to you. Yeah, right on I'm right here for you I know it's gonna be good to you Yeah And I'll tell you why, baby Baby, it's time that you know My love is growing And I just can't pretend anymore Cause my love is showing
0: Sexual chocolate baby. Um, it's sexual baby floods through the arena and informs us that a large man is about to fuck his way through the roster. I think it's the first time the word sexual have been used to describe someone's entire character. Like Rick Rude wasn't even considered sexual. And this really shouldn't work as a wrestling theme. It's slow, there's barely any bass, but it does. And I know Jimmy Hart wasn't singing on these things anymore, so I've got to assume that this is Pat Patterson crooning all over the microphone, probably imagining Steve Lombardi's head attached to Shawn Michaels' body. And I know we don't have a visual here, but the Titantron with Mark Henry rubbing his hands through his hair and looking excited is superb. I've given this iteration of Henry a lot of shit during this podcast, like in terms of what it might have done for his career. But I'll admit now that I'm hearing the music and seeing the visuals, it's it's hard to come down hard on it because they put a lot of effort into it. And in the end, Henry did well with it. Then they give him the generic theme for the next few years, but then we get the big song. Whoa, hey, step whoa, up, bring it.
1: hey, whoa, hey, whoa, get yes, hey, somebody go get it! Imagine the pain that I bring if I say it, I'm a join in the streets of the same. It's the K I N G N Hill, Wildest man in the world, and I have no fear. I'm the mean and the mean, the nightmare dreams, the root of all evil. Weak fear me, yeah. Somebody go. I'm coming through the door. Two to whoop you up and knock your ass
0: to the floor. Think I playing with you, but this fist go heat you. Always in the hood, number one with spill. Never try to stop, cause you know you can't. Compare. Listen to how good that yeah, is. somebody's gonna get their ass kicked. This is legitimately one of my famous fair favorite entrance themes of all time. I love so the beat, the, the bass in the background. I feel there's like an element of danger that like there's that. There's something bad is going to happen and Mark Henry's going to be the one to do it. For years, I didn't understand the phrase, somebody's going to get their wig split. I used this song in a bunch of Shakespeare plays and one of the actors was convinced that the singer was saying, somebody's going to get their wick slit. The wick in his mind being the tip of a penis and the slitting was some sort of a paper cut to the urethra. At the time, I kind of felt that that was too cerebral for Mark Henry. Like, is he really slitting wicks? And with what? Paper, again? Some small, world strongest knife? Anyways, I'm glad we have the real lyrics now. Also, it's, it's probably a more intimidating song if you stop listening before they say, I'll bang your head, dog, till your head's like eggnog. Then again, if you're feeling festive in December, throw this one on and have an argument about how it's really a holiday song. Anyway, I find the beginning sounds so dire. Bad shit's about to go down. It's all that held down guitar now throughout. Love it. Such a great piece of music for the right dude. Let's talk about his championship reigns uh, as we're talking about presentation. So number three, there's only three. Number three, uh, champion of Europe from August 99 to September 99. He was gifted the title by Jeff Jarrett and lost it right back to d Brown. Did we really need to rush that title back to d Henry couldn't have satisfied himself with some Dutch women for a while. Number two, the ECW title run. And I would have bet money that this run was longer than two months. But it's not, sadly. Yes, he's got laughing Tony uh, there, and they're atop the division for two months and a handful of days. He beats Kane in June, He loses to Matt Hardy in September. Then this, of course, has their dumb SummerSlam match, which they decided to do something shocking instead of putting on a good match. See, so even when they have Henry doing something good, they mess it up a dumbass booking number one can only be one thing the world heavyweight title September 2011 until December 2011 but again only three months but I loved these three months with Henry as champ it legit felt like he earned it and he was able to believably bully an entire promotion with the belt on his shoulders it is a great run though until they start making him second fiddle to the big show but while it lasts it's really gold And I think the biggest flaw of that title reign is where it ended. This is the problem with the money in the bank when it rears its ugly head. In 2011, we have two winners, Alberto Del Rio and Daniel Bryan. This is the problem with telling the same story every year with the money in the bank, that you know whoever's holding the belt is just a placeholder until the cash-in. And I know it might seem like sacrilege uh, to take that run away from Daniel Bryan, but if I remember it right, his plan was to cash in at Mania against whoever the champion was. How great would it have been to have Daniel Bryan figure out how to beat Mark Henry, who'd been running over guys for six months? Or even if you want to do the Sheamus thing, have Sheamus win the Rumble and beat Henry at Mania, and then have Bryan challenge Sheamus if he's going to do the cheap thing. I'm okay with that too. There's probably an argument to be made that, he pro- that Mark Henry should have beaten John Cena in 2013 for the title as well. I mean, how do you not reward that great promo with like some sort of dignified outcome instead of just tapping so quick? All right, let's uh, rank his gear. It's hard um, because it's also similar. I got four. The bottom is definitely the USA stuff. Too many colors stretched over too much body. Then the the solid color singlets, like when they're all one color that aren't black. The blue feels fine. The red is just too much. Lisa Simpson showed us what a tomato on steroids looked like, and we didn't need to see it in real life. Two is the sexual chocolate gear. I really like it. It's really nice black singlet. Word: sexual chocolate. There's the gold and the silver wrapping around him. The best, though, is the plain black singlet with color trim. Hall of Pain and After. I like the red trim, but all of it works. Uh, word to the wise, uh, from me to you, don't type in sexual chocolate merchandise into Google. You don't need that. Uh, they, they never really did. We- never really went all in with Mark Henry merch. I do like the t-shirts they made for him during his big run, bent on destruction with the barbell twisted up, and it's a cool shirt. Then they did a slight variant adding the orange color, untangling the barbell and writing that's what I do on the back, cuz he started saying that's what I do. I'm not sure uh what that is, uh but it's certainly someone I don't want to be on something I don't want to be on the other end of. And really that statement could be used to justify any behavior. Beat someone in the ring? That's what I do. Cripple someone backstage? That's what I do. Steal dogs from a pet store. That's what I do. They finally gave him a shirt with his giant face on it, which always looked like it was being stretched horizontally. Anyways, they never really gave him too much. I mean, how do you not sell sexual chocolate bars? They made the wrapper for his Titan Tron. <laughs> uh, we can't get an actual bar. Like, There's a, there's a, there's a sexual chocolate, chocolate bar in his thing. Why aren't they selling that? And lace it with whatever drugs you need. It's wrestling. Where are the foam barbells? The Mark Henry condoms. The poetry writing kits. How about a thuggin' and buggin' go-kart? They dropped the ball with his merch. He hasn't had a lot of toys either. There was a really shitty Jack's uh, bone-crushing action figure that he was part of the Nation of Domination. He never had a classic superstars. And then his elites, I mean, he's got a really good Hall of Pain elite. He's got a great sexual chocolate elite uh, that looked really great. The uh, elusive Mark Henry elite is the Nation of Domination Walmart exclusive that I would love if someone could find. (laughs) But it's just tough, I don't know. They just don't make him that much. And it's too bad, because he was there a long time. And now that he's gone, they're not making him again. Look, I'll go five for 10 for presentation. Again, if it's the Hall of Pain, it's 10. I don't wanna keep repeating myself. It's only three months, or sorry, six, seven months. My mistake. Feuds, does he have any feuds? I think the problem, I think Henry has the same problem as many people from this era, meaning that if you're not in a tippy-top position, you're not given feuds to deal with. Instead, we get series of matches. He kind of feuds with D'Lo because D'Lo didn't want uh, his friend to die a premature death and Henry was having none of it. He kind of feuded with the white man with thugging and bugging. Like, how did they not do a Mark Henry, Eddie Guerrero feud over China? I guess he was too wrapped up with parenthood. It does take a lot out of you. He was mad at the undertaker for some reason look there's just so much meandering for henry that it's hard to pin down feuds the promo was seen as an all-timer that led to one match then he's went back to doing nothing and that actually feels like a perfect summation of henry's career one thing happens then he's back to nothing four on ten for feuds moments he jumps up and down on ken shamrock joins the nation he takes out china on a date cuts a rug on the dance floor And I do love that despite him being a heel, they kind of play it straight and he's not a dick to her. Like he genuinely likes her. I actually really like that. I think it's neat. He's in love. Then he gets a blowjob from Sammy. Spends the better part of the year banging Mae Young. Other big moments, he becomes a father. He betrays a friend. Then there's just nothing forever. I mean, the Hall of Pain, he breaks Big Show's leg, destroys Sheamus. The moments are not there. The moment... I mean the moment where he wins the title is all-time great because the crowd legit pops for the dude. And I love that he has to tell them off post-match because they're cheering so hard for him. He also wins clean, which is great. I'm gonna say his single worst moment is probably the Elimination Chamber 2015. I don't wanna lay it all at his feet, but one of the pods breaks early. The whole match completely breaks down and Henry's there and should know better. At this point, it's almost 20 years. It's really inexcusable he can't get it together. Single best moment. So here, here's where we'll finally talk about the promo of a lifetime in the summer of 2013. I couldn't include it in the promo section because it's just too long to give a full review of it. But this whole thing is genius. You've all seen it. From the visual aspect of him bringing his boots down to the ring, he's going to announce his retirement. He's in that pink coat. And then he has a legitimately great performance. It's all gold. Because it's speaking from the heart. You can tell he feels the weight of a career far from home as he speaks about his daughter. He doesn't say anything to his son, but there's there's gravitas to it. And I I get it because look, I do I tour shows and I'm gone days. Sometimes I'm gone a couple of days at a time. Every now and then I leave for a month, but it's rare. And I feel it with my kids. So I can't imagine how we would feel being on the road all the time. Then there's the subtlety of asking John Cena to stick around because he wants him to hear it. He speaks to the greatness, Mark Henry does, of his own career, but then slips in. Not as great as your career, John. Oh, what a touch. When Cena puts the belt on him, he refuses gracefully. I love too that he takes a moment to call a fan at dummy for bringing up May Young. <laughs> Cause like, my my family, May Young. Not May Young, dummy. Oh, so good. Because he breaks him. He laughs. And Cena laughs. Then he lets Cena raise his hand as he says goodbye and turns on him with the world's strongest the best strongest slam of all time. I think what he does after the speech makes the moment even stronger. He screams about, I got a lot left in the tank. Did you think it was that easy? And he stares him down and he's scary. He's in a dress shirt. It's raw. It's real. It's brilliant. He rips his tie off. He tosses it at Cena who's dead on the ground. It, it, it's, it's how I imagine uh, Suge Knight looks when the bakery is closed it's such a perfect moment brilliantly executed it's so good on its own and this is the category I feel I'm happy to reward greatest moments and bump them up a little higher I'm going 7 on 10 for moments and that's despite not having a lot this one's that good his title wins that good so where are we at? I think if you take out the middle section of Mark Henry's career, it would shine a lot brighter. Forget the first appearances in the big ball of America. Keep the nation, keep sexual chocolate, keep the hall of pain. Man, that's an awesome career, but it's not his whole career. That leaves us from late 2000 into 2011. And that's a major stretch where nothing that's that interesting is, is happening. I mean, seriously, fuck the WWE for not doing better by Mark Henry. If I look back at any and all negatives I've said about him, it really feels like it all comes down to booking and injuries. When he was handed the ball, he scored a touchdown every time. I'm not sure how that analogy works. I'm a hockey guy, all right? There's no balls in hockey, so I don't know how that works. But seriously, like, how could they not do better with him? I get at the beginning, he wasn't ready. He was green. But from 2011 on, I don't care how old he is. You should be booking him in a strong position. Here's how it stands right now. Mark Henry is our ninth guy we've covered. And he finishes ninth with 50.68 points. Mr. Perfect is ahead of him by about three points and Honky's up by another three. It's not like Mark Henry has an all-time bad career or anything. But of all the guys we've looked at so far... He finishes the worst. I can't imagine he'll stay there very long though, but I can't say that I'm surprised. I just remember not really thinking about Mark Henry's career until someone called me a racist on a podcast for not liking one of his matches. So I thought maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'd misjudged his entire career. Was I a racist with a small penis? After careful inspection and consideration, I'd say Mark Henry's career is massively buoyed by the Hall of Pain era which again amounts to seven months of a 15 year career. That's it in a nutshell. But again by watching more and learning more about him I really like Mark Henry. He was almost always entertaining except those middle 2000s. See I loved the sex crazy idiot who just couldn't keep it in his pants. I loved poetry Mark Henry. And hell I too think the Hall of Pain is incredible. Mark Henry was an awesome talent, right? But they didn't know how to do, what to do with him. They didn't know how to write for him. My kids made me watch the Big Show show on Netflix. Henry was a guest star, and he is a way better actor than anyone on the show, including the actors that are on the show. Legit funny. Why couldn't it have been the world's strongest man show? I would have been down for that, but for me, I know that to this day, when I hear somebody's going to get their ass kicked, I still get excited because I know I'm about to witness a genuine performance from a gifted performer, right? And hopefully, hopefully sometime soon, someone's going to get their wick slid. Next time on The Wrestler That Was, we hit episode 10 with a massive superstar. One of the all-time greats. One of my favorites to this day. And yes, he can work. See you then.
1: want you to stay something I want to tell you I want to tell the boys and the girls in the back and all of y'all the rate that you're going, you're going to be the greatest WWE WWE Champion of all time. And if if I had any regrets, any regrets at all about my career, I've been World Heavyweight Champion, I've been ECW Champion, I've been the strongest man in the world. I've had a lot of success. I mean, nothing like the success that John had, but um, I, I think I've done pretty good for myself, which, which, thank you. Which leads me to the reason that I'm out here, to formally retire from the active roster of the WWE. Thank y'all. One more match from the, one of the better crowds that I've been in front of in the last five years. That's the only championship Mark Henry hasn't won. on the road close to 200 nights a year to my beautiful wife jana i think you'll see more of me than you want to and to my son jacob who's a fanatical wrestling fan some of y'all seen him on twitter and my little girl joanna i'm oh, not me young dummy to my little girl Joanna who cries when I leave home baby I'm coming home